welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about some of our old favorite Star Wars books and some of our new favorite Star Wars books like this one. I'm Justin. And I'm Tim. Yeah. And this week on Forever Canon. On the phone cast. Yeah, on Weirdy Phonecast. Once again, let me reiterate the message. If you can, stay home as much as possible. Don't go places you don't need to. And don't visit people that you want to. That's why Tim's yeah, not here. This is definitely something I'd like to do in person. but Way better in person. It's way better. But in the meantime, here we are. And this week... We are starting off book two of Fate of the Jedi. I got it right. <laughs> Christy Golden's first <laughs> entry into the Star Wars universe, Omen. And that title, not to be too on the nose, is a bit ominous, no? It's very, it's very ominous. You know, I, we both know I like a good pun, but I didn't even say that for the sake of the pun. It just really is. Yeah. And this week we start with prologue through chapter four. But first, bum, bum, bum. Previously on Forever Canon, we talked about the first book of Fate of the Jedi. We read another book, man. Yes, we did. And you know what? I just realized I was talking to Danielle earlier, and I was like, we're going to start the 10th book tonight. Idiot. It's the 11th book. <laughs> yes. That was the 10th book that we just freaking finished. This is the 11th book that we start tonight. Can you believe that? I know we say it every time, but can you? Uh, if anyone listening really knew us, they would know that this <laughs> is uh, out of the ordinary. <laughs> okay, okay. Sure. I guarantee you any past teacher of ours would be shocked. Oh, absolutely. Wait a minute. What do you mean? They're reading and doing homework for fun? What? <laughs> <laughs> I could never get them to do that. But no. This week. Book two of Fate of the Jedi. Omen. Starts with a prologue. And we go back in time. Two years ago. To orbiting Zyost, aka the end of Jason's war, or near it at least. Yeah, and adjacent at least. And we get right away at the end of at the end of last podcast when we were wrapping up our review and starting our preview, we asked some questions. Where did the one Sith go? So, well, oh, here's Dechian, our one Sith friend from Korriban. Back aboard the previously disappeared ship, the Poison Moon. Remember the one Sith? I remember. They allegedly had their own evil plan, right? Separate from Verger and Lumaya's Jason plan. They were doing yeah. their own thing. Well, now, two years ago, not now. <laughs> they're at Zyost, <laughs> the okay. homeworld of the Sith. Remember Zyost? When Ben was there? And that little girl who got written right out of the story right away? <laughs> Anyways, some prophetic vision has led Dichi in here, expecting to intercept a prize. A prize she calls the Meditation Sphere. Oh, snap, Tim. Another thing we were just asking about in our review preview episode. It's ship. Yeah, we 
What what happened to ship? Oh, there it is. Well, or she. You can't see me, but I'm about to read from the book. There oh, it was. Fantastic. The Sith meditation sphere. She regarded it for a moment, taking it in. The orange-yellow-red hue, the spherical shape flanked by twin sets of bat-like wings, it resembled an enormous eye. Tim, ship is back. Ship is back. Man, man, tell tell us more about ship. That what can you remember about ship off the top of your head? Uh, that it looked kind of like red, bumpy rock. Yeah, like like what what are those um. Aramon things from Final Fantasy with the weird like thin <laughs> batty wings and yep. spires all over. A it. giant eyeball with bat wings, but he's yep. like a he's like a an asteroid rock with a glowy orange eye type of thing, right? Yeah, it's like it's like the the viewport or whatever. Well, this is where ship went. As we discuss this in the middle of a thunderstorm, that I hear hail bouncing off my back door. Yeah, yeah, it's getting it's getting a little intense. You know what's funny though? We're we're only like <laughs> three blocks away from each other recording this podcast, even though yep. we may be on speakerphone. We're still living in the exact same world, just three blocks apart. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not like we're countries apart doing this. It's yeah, we're... or even cities, or even you know whatever. It's like now I, I swear to God, if I had a good arm, I could hit your house with a rock. Yeah, I normally walk, and it takes me like five minutes. You used to pitch. You could probably hit my house with a rock, but it's all glass in the back. Don't do that. Yeah, no, you, I yeah. Um, there's no good rocks around my house. You know what? Let's sidebar here because you know what I've been I've been reminiscing on during this uh, the quarantine where, like I told you, we can't go to the park. We've been spending a lot of time in the backyard. I've been reminiscing on the fact that you and I cut down my forty foot pair of apple trees in the backyard by ourselves and didn't break anything and it was real close with those uh was that power lines or was that phone lines well they're power lines yeah it wasn't close so much with the power lines as it was we underestimated how high the top of the tree was and it almost went through my back window it did almost hit your house my nine foot sliding glass door in the back it landed it like scraped the the tip of the tippiest toppest branch all the way down the siding and like just barely missed. I'm I'm glad that didn't happen. You know me too, man. Because I I don't think you get insurance money for that. For breaking your own window, no. To be like I don't know what happened. I don't know how this tree fell down and the other one. It's like a it's like it's like a nine eleven denial. No, that's that's all my friend standing in my backyard with a chainsaw. No, take that home. Anyways. What are you doing? Get out of my yard. <laughs> Sidebar complete, Tim. All right. Because engages in a telepathic negotiation with Ship, trying to get him to join the one Sith. And I say him for Ship because Dietjian does note that he has like an intense male presence. Yeah. Something that I feel like Christy Golden is going to beg the question of male versus female a little bit as we go along. And I feel like that because of my notes. So, he try, she tries to get Ship to join the one Sith. But Ship says no. And he flies home to Zyost because the one Sith are a bunch of Heidi little chickens. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's like, that's not, that is not how you win. Yeah, he says, you've allowed the Jedi to prosper and propagate through the galaxy for all this time. Instead of destroying them. You're not worthy of me. You're barely Sith. Like, an inanimate object with a consciousness rebukes your whole belief in society? Ow. And you, like, revere this thing as, like, an ancient intelligence, right? Yeah, he, the ship's not wrong. No, he's not wrong. And it, I always, I did, I think we covered that. Like, it's weird that they're not doing anything. Yeah, I think we did in the last, in the last series. We're like, what have they been doing this whole time? What's going on? They have some plan that they don't tell anybody about. Like, they are more like Luke Skywalker than they think. And so, go ahead. Tell them that. Yeah. Okay. Don't tell them that. Yeah. Well, you know, this is the way of the force, Tim. There, there is no dark side, light side. There is only the force. And this brings me to another point. When they come to the end of this discussion to answer our question of where is ship, he's on Zios. No. He he went past the poison moon and Dechian and went home. To his temple home on Zios for all those years. And so I'm sure that's going to come up again at some point, right? You don't plant the seed of where this guy is at for no reason. Yeah, and because it's in the prologue, it probably come up in this book as well. (laughs) Well, right. And she takes the time to highlight the one Sith, which I think is interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I like the way this... I like the way this opener ties back to the to the previous series, you know, back to the war where specifically the scene where um, Lumaya's habitat is being destroyed. Uh, well, let me see if I get this right here. MZX3209 or some shit like that. Uh, I didn't look it up, right, but that close. feels close, man. I, I might have the digits a little bit boggled, but I like how it ties back to Legacy of the Force, which... She didn't have any hand in writing. That's fun, you know? Yeah. And here's a question for you. Is it Dechian on the cover of Omen? It, I think so. Although, they explain her that she's got dark skin with pale tattoos, not the other way around. Right, 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 right. So, not her then. Good call, Tim. Look at you using you. the text to 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 support your idea. I I, I appreciate the uh, uh, words. I can't think of it now. <laughs> the support. Man, I, this thunderstorm is loud as fuck. Yeah, it's it's really coming down too. Yeah, it is. It's mental out there. Anyways, prologue over. Chapter one takes us to the Jedi Temple on Coruscant, where Gisela Horn, sister of Crazy Boy Valen, feeling half lost since her brother's big carbonite freeze. And to me, in this early part of this chapter, she's echoing some some serious Jason and Jaina vibes, no? Yeah, absolutely. She's talking about how, like, you know, when they were growing up, they had sort of very little normal family time because they're Jedi and have dangerous lives and such. And, they, you know, they spent more time apart than ever, than, than together, I mean. 
all that kind of stuff. Felt very Jason and Jaina, don't you think? It 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 really did. Um, the only difference, um, she she says that they weren't they were they're a few years apart, so yeah. they weren't close up until recently. Yes, and I'm glad you picked that up because that was the one like that was the important distinction that that they did drop was that they weren't close until recently. This is a new bond that the two of them have formed, you know, where they're finally friends and not just brother and sister who, I don't know, tolerate or bother each other. I'm not sure. Yeah, forced to, forced to work together because they're both Jedis. Yeah. And speaking of being Jedi, Giselle is heading to the Jedi Temple, walking with her pigman friend and, and her furry bothan, Basil Wharf and Yaquil Savitu. I don't know why I said that last one like Borat. Well, I think because I panicked. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I forgot that I had a really fucked up last name on this chick. Anyway, yeah, yeah. These are these are her best friends. Normally, including Valen, these BFFs are all called the unit. Valen, Gisela, Basil, who's called Barv, and Yaquil. Yeah, it's like a combination of his two names. Yeah, exactly, right? And also, apparently Amelia loves the unit. Yes. Why? I mean, uh, I mean, uh, I just I don't know, you know? It's that uh, I can't I can't form words right now. Okay. The thing that bothers me about having that just seems really shoehorned in there like it seems really out of place and forced upon this brand new character i've never heard of before yeah i think it's probably just a way to tie it in yeah and it is fine because amelia has been in and out of the temple you know presumably for two years and has you know whatever relationships that she has that are new that she didn't have before but it just Mm -hmm. it felt like an attempt to to legitimize these new characters. Yeah. And, you know, that's okay. But it the way that it, it, it just stuck out so much compared to the other information we were given, that kind of just landed a little bit, I don't know, intrusively, a little bit obtuse. I don't know, man. What did you think? Did it stand out weird to you or no? Yeah, it was a little weird that it, and it, it was, not only was it just a weird to put her into this, into this like sort of setting when, but it was like even Amelia likes likes them okay moving on yeah and like we weren't talking about the solos and Amelia or anything like that before and it, she didn't come up again you know it was just very it was like a it was a, a tight knot being tied there to these new characters yeah it was a little it was, it, it was definitely just something that was out of place just yeah it was just a around. little obvious yeah yeah you know like you know you just want a little more subtlety in that kind of thing maybe but yeah. Gisela is at the temple to get information from Silgal she's gonna go help her work on the research to crack the code of what's wrong with Valen by figuring out what's wrong with Seth Helen and Silgal tells Gisela they're trying their best and we support you and and we love you in all this tough time and a lot of heartwarming stuff from the fish lady. And this is obviously when Gisela notices that Valen was right. Silgal is an imposter. Dun, dun, dun. Right. I mean, like there was a part about this that I didn't, that I didn't like really. Cause I was going to say, 
This was really good, I thought. But you go first. My my head. This the scene is amazing. I I like the scene. Yeah. It was how they talk about Silgal and her hand, her flipper hand. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like that. The rest of the, the scene itself is great. Yeah. But it was just that one little thing that was like, why? Why is a flipper hand? <laughs> <laughs> well, because she's a fish then, lady. I know she's a fish lady, but I don't know. <laughs> it's early. That's it. Here's here's what here's my argument, my devil's advocate argument against that. It's early okay. into a science fiction novel, and you're describing an alien species that maybe a new reader isn't familiar with, right? Well, who started? Who starts at the at book two of a series? Tim. You? Do you? I didn't start at book two of a series. I never read this one. All right, all right. Listen, I don't know. Some people do. Uh, oh, actually, I, what, what am I saying? The only book I have from the Yuzong Vong War is, like, book 12 or something. There you go. See, I knew I knew I had a valid, valid argument. I just didn't know at all what it was, so I wanted you to make it for me. Oh, got me good. And you did. Also... The storm is so loud. I can barely hear the speakerphone, and I can't make it louder. Well, uh, uh, and I can only talk so loud. That's all right. Listen, man, we got it going. We're good. We're doing what we're doing. So, Christy Golden describes the flipper hands, but she also, Tim, puts the umlauts on doppelganger, which I really dig. Yeah. And Gisela Horn... Gets the hell out of the library, force shoving Silgal on her way. And Silgal says into her comlink, we've got another one. And oh snap, man. But another Jedi has gone crazy, right? But this time, it's the sister of a previously crazy Jedi. That's got to be some kind of connection, right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> like hey, I got it. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. Sorry. Go ahead. Probably uh, for what reason? Oh, they, uh, it's, they, and they're part of, they were part of the same unit too. Like not just as a, a family unit, but, but literally unit, their friends, the unit <laughs> group was called the unit, but they did say yeah. they didn't spend a lot of time together growing up and stuff. Right. Yeah. So, so is, I, it, is it genetic then? I don't think then? it was necessarily I don't think it was necessarily the family reason for it. It's something that, I think I still think it's some sort of like infection type deal and they were somewhere and they caught it from something and it's affecting the force in some way or maybe ships doing it. So like one of those one of those rare times when they were together as children they were in the same spot and and got corona or some shit. No, no, like it, they've been on a mission recently in the last year or two. Oh, like a recent thing. Got it. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I wonder I wonder what flipped Gisela's switch, though. Yeah. Chapter 2 starts, and Gisela is trapped in the temple, but must escape the doppelgangers. They're everywhere, she says. She, start, she starts her escape. She bodies one lady with a statue, throws her lightsaber at a fucking guy, jams the door controls, and sees something, quote, very strange. And Silgal 
reaches out to her in the forest and feels a familiar but unplaceable sensation. And what did Gisela see? I mean, her future self, a, p- a potential future. Is this a is this a is this a beacon thing? Is this Dunamancy? I believe I believe it is something along those lines. Yeah, she saw some sort of version of potentiality of herself where she tried to escape the temple and and, and droids came out of secret compartments in the pillars and then there was a, a secret force field she killed a bunch of apprentices but she was like they're not really apprentices they're imposters but this was like a a future version of herself right yeah for sure well that's that's what it seemed like she seemed to know exactly where those droids were hidden inside the pillars even though nobody's supposed to know that kind of stuff. And yet, she sees herself still being caught. So instead yeah. of doing all that stuff, present Gisela runs in a closet and hides behind a cleaning droid. Like a kid. And I'm going to read a little bit from the book here. She curled right. up, trembling, hugging her knees to her chest as she had when she was a little girl, and concentrated on masking her presence within the force. Okay, two, two, two questions. Number one, I thought this hiding your presence in the force thing was special. Um, it's it's special to diminish to to nothing, to completely hide. But yeah, I think you can like lower your force presence just as a like as a natural thing or something like, that they learn as a, like apprentices really man i don't know the the vibe i got from the last book was that jason's the only dude who knows how to do that and he taught it to ben so ben knew how to do that and then maybe maybe they disseminate that information through the temple right over two years but to me it was a special thing in the last series and now it seems like a common thing like that's literally part of what Ben and Luke just went and discovered, right? At the with the Baron Dos Ages in the last book was like the dead brain shit, where you can disappear yeah. and stuff. That was a special journey. And so I don't know, right? I guess Jason yeah. taught Ben, Ben taught taught Luke, and then Luke was like, "This important power or something." And I and I think it's because she does mention a little bit later that if they had actually looked in the Force. And they would have found her, but they, they're just—they're just apprentices. Oh, and then she's like, "No, they're—they're they're not even really." Yeah, you're right. That's—that's that's a good point. Now, the second thing this brings up for me is: Do you notice over the course of these two books, a lot of the Jedi remembering back or referring to being kids? Yeah. Have you noticed that? Are you just realizing it right now as I'm saying it? Yeah, yeah. Just that happens a lot with me. You'll well, say something and then it'll... <laughs> No, I know. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that in a condescending I, way. I just meant, you know, know, consider that. I feel like it keeps coming up throughout the course of this, you know, book in a, f- a f- four chapters. Yeah, it, it does come up a few times. Interesting. Yeah. Especially oh. when, you know, one of the newest characters added to the, the series is a child. And she's been brought up in this book already. 
And she's the child of Jason Solo, you know. Yeah, that, that that's that's a that's an important marker on one's uh, life calendar. Regardless, Gisela in the closet with the future sight and force hiding on her side. Short while later, she's out. The, she's out the door. And now there's another imposter brain on the loose. That's bad, right? Yeah, running amok. That's good. That's gonna do wonders for the Jedi. I gotta say though, I really like Gisela. I think. Yeah, she. Go ahead. You go off. ahead. Uh, she, I, I, I like her, even not so much just like as a, as because she goes crazy pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but just how she, how her thinking was written and how she was talking. That's what I, I was like thinking. That yeah. Too. The way that she's presented, she's just very. I mean, first of all, she's inherently more interesting because she is the sister of the 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 previously mentioned crazy Jedi, right? Yeah. And then and so she's she's immediately like a complicated character. I don't know. I just liked her attitude. I liked her approach and stuff and then I liked that her reaction was so different from her brothers, you know? They're they're yeah. concentrating when they're talking about her or Silgal's talking about feeling Gisela in the force. She's talking about fear and and panic and more uh to the point where valen was angry right and and aggressive yeah yeah angry and violent yeah i don't know i just i hope we keep tracking gisella through the book because i think she's i like her so far i think that's gonna be a good ride man but i have also noticed an early trend in these opening chapters powerful capable females and complacent simple brute boys let me list off my examples from the prologue we have Dichien the leader of this expedition the most powerful Sith very capable in her in her uh, position and she points out the pilot Wayness he's not force sensitive and he's just happy to be getting paid right mm-hmm and then we have Yaquil versus Barv, who Barv is described as an uncomplicated, simple man with a gentle heart type of thing, right? Yeah. And he also, and this is just more of a, you know, like a, a flavor choice. He doesn't directly speak. The pig man Barv doesn't directly speak. He is, we're told what he is saying through somebody else's perspective every time. It's like, yeah, it's always like, oh, Barv honked in, in acceptance of, of, you know, the Jedi way is different of the, well, whatever, whatever, whatever. But he's not speaking out loud in a quotation marks text. He, we're being told inferentially through a third party what he's saying. And that's, you know, that's like a powerless sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Third one. Through this whole uh, second chapter, Silgal is the main focus of power, right? She's mm-hmm. the she's the capable one. She's the one in charge. She's the one giving orders and stuff like that. She's on the calm link. And then we get her standing next to this other dude, Jedi dude, Rad Minker, trying to, bur- uh, trying to cut his way through the door. And he's like some big jacked hallway dude. 
And Silgal has to help him cut open the door or whatever, right? It's all just like, to me, it's just little bits of, I don't know if I'm going to use these words properly, but like progressive feminism in the text where like, let's use our female characters in a powerful way instead of, you know, instead of being an afterthought. Yeah. And I think that I just think like the, the purposeful juxtaposition of each one of those characters is just meant to empower these female characters moving forward as they're going to be maybe a more equal and bigger part of the story. Cause that was our biggest complaint last time. Right. Yeah. Where's Jaina? Where's Mara? Where's Leia? Maybe we'll find out that it's just in a certain, it's just in Christie's writing. That's what I think. Just be hers. I think that's good. I think, yeah, absolutely. You know, if you're a female writer and you're writing in a trilogy with two other males, make your female characters stand out and stand above as much as you can, because they're fucking mm-hmm. awesome too. Like I loved, I loved Dechian in the prologue. I really just thought she was, I don't know, she stood out. Yakil was neat. She uh, and especially later on, but she stands out too. You know, I don't know. I liked it. I just liked this girl power twitch. Yeah, and she and she's a small little uh, little character too, but like uh, Yakil. Yeah, she, well, she seems bigger because of the writing. Yeah, they're all written really well, and the ladies are running the whole book so far. Mm-hmm. Like, think. Uh, I mean, and that'll carry on through the rest of this episode as we come to chapter three, and we're in the temple district of Coruscant. Where Yaquil and Barv, Gisela's BFFs that we can't shut up about from the unit, are having a calf in a tap calf near the temple downtown. And the Bothan Yaquil is hating on a reporter, uh, man, uh, some some dude with a camera, getting a coffee. She hates his guts. As yep. a man is thrown through the window. Typical, <laughs> typical Jedi business. You stop for a coffee break, man gets thrown through a plate glass window. It's Gisela escaping her way through town. Oh, the power just flickered. Mine's fine. She freaks out even more, Gisela does, at the sight of her imposter best friends, right? Mm. She says, she's like, I can't believe, oh my God, even you. Don't talk to me. Give me my friend back. And she tries to kill them both. And eventually, yeah, she almost succeeds. go ahead. She almost succeeds uh, killing uh, Barb there. She gets a swipe across his torso that's like burns him, but it's not too bad at, at first, right? Yeah. And then. And, and would have cut him in half if uh, what's your face didn't save him. Yeah, yeah. Keel pulls him out of the way, and and so once again, right? He is the the blind fool running in, and she gets to be the the wise savior from a distance. I just I think we're purposely building up these female characters and like we said in the last series man more more i like them i can't imagine and maybe this is just me right i'm a pretty unique guy i'm an only child raised by a single mother (laughs) but i honestly can't believe not liking a character just because she's a woman i can't understand that i believe people feel that way 
I believe people feel that way, but I can't understand it. Like, grow up. Jaina is so cool. Teaching is cool at the beginning of this book. Gisela is fucking interesting, man. Silgal's a badass. All that stuff. Gisela tries to kill her friends. But eventually, the GA police show up and she is taken down and taken in. OPS, the journalist camera, caught lots of this on tape. So, question, Tim. Is this very Uh bad for the Jedi? It's not good. I may have been leading the witness there, but you're correct. It's not good. Chapter four. When when one of your members goes nuts on camera, that's never good for anybody. In public, in the middle of the day, right? (laughs) And chapter four is still in the Temple District on Coruscant. And let's find out how bad that's going to be as Dala arrives. Admiral Natasi Dalla, Galactic Alliance Chief of State, on the scene instantly to address the public and slam the Jedi. And she steps up, they they like wheel her out of a limo or some shit, an armored car, and they like set up a podium and a microphone right in the middle of the thoroughfare where this whole incident went down, right? And she essentially recaps... The situation from the previous book for new readers. What's happening with the Jedi, you know? Valen's crazy. Luke was exiled. The Jedi are bad. Catch everybody up. Just in case you're one of those weirdos who only has the 12th book out of 20 or some shit. She did not miss her chance to sway the public, eh? No, she was on top of it right away. Instantly. Like, I I can't stress that enough in the text. It's moments after Gisela is stun bolted down by the guards. She's barely in the transport, you know, and here's Dala coming up, setting up a podium. She does. She does not miss a second of her chance. Also, the reporter guy is annoying. So shout out to you, Cause she's right. <laughs> and then we cut to Dala inside of that armored car limo thing. With her assistant. And Dala lets her assistant bring his pet monkey to work. Which, to be frank, I find shocking. And out of character. Yeah, yeah, extremely shit. But it does say that he does such he does such a good job that she's willing to break that rule a bit for him. Yeah, but I don't care because that's not how her character works. <laughs> her character doesn't make rule breaking exceptions for anybody except for that one guy that she was in love with. And so unless she is in love with this dude, as the story goes forward, then there's no fucking way she would let him bring a monkey to work. It's just kind of dumb. Yeah. I don't need it. And it doesn't fit her character at all. She should hate it. You know what I mean? She should at least be like, disdainful of it in the scene yeah but no she's not man right she's just like she don't care all right yeah she's like whatever you know my assistant has a pet monkey no big deal because i just slammed the jedi to death and she tells him that she thinks the jedi are too dangerous being unpredictable like this 
And, well, Tim, she's not wrong, is she? She's not wrong yet again. As what have we seen so far? I don't know what weirdness Seth Allen was up to in the Millennium Falcon books, or book. Um, but we've seen Valenhorn go crazy and try to kill his parents and then steal a starship and cause all kind of damage. Downtown Coruscant, right? Yeah. We've seen Seth Helen try to break Valenhorn out of prison and, like, dig a tunnel in the prison of fake identity and get a job there and, like, blow things up and, like, hurt people and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. And then we've seen <laughs> now Gisela Horn uh, go bonkers in the face of a Jedi Master and force shove her against a stack of live fucking library stack, try to cut a dude's off, head off with a lightsaber and try to kill two of her best friends in public outside of a coffee shop. Dull is not wrong, right? No, things... When people with superpowers go crazy, it's not good. No, it's <laughs> exactly the argument that she had to start the series, right? Is that, yeah, it's great that they have magic powers, but can we really trust them to be cool all the time? Yeah, what are they really up to kind of deal? And clearly the answer is no. We can't trust them all the time. What the hell? I got two, two. let me be clear, rhetorical questions. Okay. Number one, what the hell is going on? And number two, what is with that monkey? Find out next week when we cover Fate of the Jedi number two. Omen, chapters 5 through 8. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Ooh, ooh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. <laughs> what was that? Uh, uh, monkey sounds with question marks. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, with some context, it makes sense. Well, jokes are always best when you explain them. For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.